This podcast was recorded on the lands of the Gadigal people of the Eora Nation. We pay our respects to all elders past, present and emerging and honour their history, cultures and traditions of storytelling. Hello and welcome to Pep Talk. I'm Caroline Hugel, your host and chief cheerleader. I know firsthand the value of a good pep talk. After more than two decades in the corporate world across Sydney, London and New York, I remain grateful for the pep talks that gave me perspective, confidence and helped steer me in the right direction. The Pep Talk podcast will give you the nudge you didn't know you needed in around 10 minutes, enough time to take a quick walk around the block while you're listening. It shares advice, experience and wise counsel from brilliant women connected to the world of media, communications and the arts. The first series of Pep Talk recognises the wonderful organisation, Fitted for Work, a not-for-profit that helps disadvantaged women get work and keep it, through mentorship and other work readiness programs. Fitted for Work's social enterprise, SheWorks, offers a recruitment solution for creating diverse workforces. You can find out more at fittedforwork.org. This pep talk is with the superb Jo Pollard. Jo's incredible 30-year career has taken her far and wide, from a stint in Hong Kong to running global media for Nike to Tokyo and back to Australia to head up 9MSN and Telstra. She's undoubtedly a heavy hitter, but one with an incredibly warm heart. Jo left school wanting to be a physiotherapist, but missed out on the course by two marks, thank goodness. So she took a year off and did a secretarial course, which led to work at an advertising agency, and the rest is history. These days, Jo holds non-executive board positions for a diverse range of companies, including O Media, Washington H. Sol Patterson and the Endeavour Group. She's also a member of the Australian Institute of Company Directors and Chief Executive Women. I've long been inspired by Jo's career, so I'm delighted to have her on Pep Talk to share her insights. Jo, you've had a pretty exceptional career. Can you give us a bit of a breakdown? So my career is probably broken down into four big buckets. So the first was what I call mastering the fundamentals. I spent 12 years at J. Walter Thompson, which is now Mindshare. And I had some really fantastic bosses that taught me, were really hard on me and disciplined, but there's a lot of things still to this day. I remember what I learned in my 20s. And during that 12 years at J. Walter Thompson, when I was 25, there was an opportunity to move to Hong Kong. One of the group heads had moved to Hong Kong and and called and said, do you want to move here? And it was like, well, why not? So that started a 16-year journey living overseas. So 12 years, master the fundamentals. And at a very young age, when you're living in Asia in the 90s, you're given enormous responsibility (laughs) to have to learn stuff fast. So when I was 28, we pitched and won the Nike account in Asia Pacific. And that probably led on to the next chapter two, which was my Nike years, 10 years at Nike. And I'd probably name those the acceleration years. And they they were sort of in my 30s. At 30, I was the global media director at Nike, you know, traveled the world, set up the media function globally, got to work with the most amazing athletes. During that time, the job expanded and I ran Nike.com, started a content division where we made television shows and books with, you know, got to work with athletes. So that was fabulous. That's chapter two. It's probably my favourite chapter. I'd say chapter two. 
And then chapter three, the diversification years, that was moving back to Australia. So I worked in Portland with uh, and in Tokyo. I had my last three years at Nike in Tokyo. And the kids were primary school age by this time. We'd been overseas 16 years. So, okay, we have to come home. So I made the terrible decision of leaving Nike without a job. I had no job to come back to. And the lovely thing about leaving Nike, the president, he's still the president actually, Mark said, don't worry, if you've made a mistake and you move home, you can come back. So it was sort of coming back with a parachute because I knew if I, we'd made a mistake, I could always go back to Portland. And so at that stage, had great media and marketing experience. But if you wanted to be CEO, I knew I had to get on to the side of the fence that would run revenue. So that's when it was like, I don't want a client job. I want to go and work for a media owner. So at that stage, there were about four you could work with, seven, nine and ten and Foxtel. So I got the job of running sales and marketing at Nine Entertainment. And that were the diversification years coming home. It was the first time, ran sales, ran marketing, got my first CEO job running Nine MSN. You know, did lots of different jobs, had the, a bit of a short stint doing board work. And then the job at Telstra running sales and marketing. So that was chapter three, diversification years. And then chapter four is the one I'm in now, which is not doing exec work anymore, transitioned three years ago into a non-executive board career. So I sit on three ASX boards and one private equity board. Yeah, so they're the four chapters. What's the biggest obstacle you've overcome? I think... While it was one of the most enjoyable parts of my career, the Nike career, I had kids at 36 and 38 and it was a global job. So I came back to work after 12 weeks with my first, Jake, and six weeks with Maxie. So I did spend a lot of time in their early part of their life not there. So there was a lot of guilt because I chose my career over being um, my husband was a stay-at-home dad after we had our second So there was a lot of getting over that obstacle of not feeling the guilt of missing out of what they were doing at home. It's probably the biggest obstacle. Oh, but there was plenty through the individual jobs and, you know, you hit walls all the time. You hit walls, you bounce off and you go, well, what am I going to do about it? But that was probably the most time I questioned whether or not this was worth it. So what motivates you? Oh, um, doing great work with people that, teach me something or inspire me. I'm simple. It's like, what do I get to do and who do I get to work with? That's my lens every single time. And it's how I make decisions. I've never made a decision on a job of how much I get paid. There are many times in my career I could have earned significantly more money to jump to a a different type of job. But it was in an industry that I didn't like, I wasn't that good about. But who I get to work with and what I get to do. The other thing too, I love problem solving, fixing things, and I love working in teams. I think the team that I built great teams throughout my career, but the team that I reflect on now, like my management team when I ran 9MSN, had Mike Sneesby running Strategic Accounts, who now runs Channel 9, Nicholas Gray, who's now runs a big part of News Corp, 
Michael Stevenson, who's now head commercial director at Nine. It was just such a great team that I'm so proud to have led. Now, you know, 15 years later, they've all gone on to have fantastic careers themselves. What do you wish you'd known at the start? That you can have it all. You just don't try to do it all at once. And I see so many women, particularly in their 40s, struggling to be the great wife, the great mother, the great, great at their job, have the perfect household, have the perfect social life. It'll kill you. So just pick a few things to be great at at certain points in time because it'll even out in the end. What do you consider your greatest achievement? My boys. And people, I think, find that strange for me to say because really I was never really going to have kids in my 20s, never, never going to be a mother. And everyone sometimes think I'll say, you know, it was being the global media director at Nike or running Telstra, you know, media and marketing. They're just things you do that provide a means to the end and and provide joy and self-fulfillment. But I think when you can look at the two boys that I have and the type of boys that they are, like they grew up in a very weird environment, particularly in Australia, where their mum was the one that worked full-time and their dad stayed at home. So they had reverse role models when you think about it. And so the values that my boys have are very balanced and respectful of roles that you can play in society, but it's not based on gender. Do you have a motto or a mantra that guides you? I think you have a life mantra and a work mantra. I have a sort of a, I was thinking about this, it's sort of something like convincing yourself you can do this. I can do this. All the way through your career, you come with self-doubt you're given responsibility, you're, someone's given you an opportunity. You have to be able to say to yourself, I can do this. I can do this and how can I do this? So do I need help? Who am I going to help? What team do I have to build? What agency do I have to work with? But deep down you have to believe you can. And I think that was a confidence that my parents put into me. My parents always said you can do and be whatever you want to be but you have to work hard. What's the best advice you've ever been given? Oh, so much good advice. I've had, I've been so lucky in my career, great bosses, great peers. Most of my friendships that have deep set have come from work. But I remember when I was leaving Nike to come home, a guy said to me, Gordon Thompson, who was the head creative director at um, Nike, said to me, you only get to leave Nike once choose wisely. How are you going to use it? I think that was really great advice because it was like, well, what will I use this experience to do next? And that was the big leap from CMO, you know, head of media, into Nine Entertainment that got me the sales job. And at the time, those jobs weren't combined when I went for the interview. And I was like, I knew I wanted to run revenue. I knew I wanted to be a CEO. And I remember it ticked in my head all the time, Gordon saying to me, you only get to leave Nike once, choose wisely. And I was like, no, I want this job. you got to, I'll do it if you put this job together. And in the end, that led to the next acceleration of my career. So have you ever needed a pep talk? There's a positive pep talk that I can think of that when I was 24, thinking about moving to Hong Kong to go and take that Hong Kong job, my boss at the time, who I told her about it because I'd be leaving her, she was like, just do it. What have you got to lose? 
you can always come home. So you get there, you don't like it. You hate your job, come home, I'll give you your job back. So just go do it. So that was a really empowering pep talk. One of the, I call it the bridesmaid pep talk. When I um, went for the 9MSN job, I was working at Nine Entertainment, running sales and marketing, and I put my hand up for the first CEO job, went for the interview, didn't get the job. They went with a candidate that had had CEO experience and that was the reason I didn't get it. So, well, how do you ever get to be your first CEO if you don't have CEO experience? Anyway, he pulled out because he got a better job in Germany. So I was like, ta-da, you know, serves you right. You picked, you made the wrong decision. So David Gingell called me, who was running Channel 9 at the time, called me and said, well, what are you going to do about it? And I said, well, I'm going to wait till they call me. And, you know, I was the bridesmaid. And he goes, oh, don't be so goddamn stupid. Swallow your pride, pick up your phone and tell them to give you the job because they should have damn well given you the job to start with. And I did. But he was so funny. He was just like, oh, for Christ's sake, they're not going to call you. You're going to have to call them. What's your pep talk for people in their 20s and 30s looking to grow their careers? Your 20s is about learning as much as you can from great people. And if you don't have that environment, try to try to get it in the place you are or if you don't, go get it. Because I was very, very, had been very fortunate in my 20s and 30s, always had great bosses gave me opportunity, put a lot of pressure on me, had a lot of high expectations. But I think what you really have to do is what will make you happy? What are you good at and what makes you happy? Not how much money do I want to get paid or what's my title? I will always say, if you have the opportunity, work overseas. I definitely wouldn't have the career I have today if I hadn't spent that time overseas. Because just being overseas, you just learn. The, the, the acceleration curve and learning curves on steroids. And I also think to believe in yourself. I really think I, I spend a lot of time when I'm pep-talking other women going, what have you got to lose? Why do you think you can't do this? Why aren't you putting up your hand for that promotion? For God's sake, if you don't put your hand up, I'm going to make you, you know. The amount of times I've called women in when I see jobs and go, why aren't you going for that job? Well, I, I could do half of it. I'm not sure I could do the other half. And this is the you can do this. That will always be the case. You can never do the next job because it's the next job. But you have to deep down believe you can Otherwise, you won't take the leap. How good is Jo Pollard? I actually love how she broke down the stages of her career and that each is an important phase for the next. The value of great bosses and good mentorship and letting go of guilt of being a working mum. The kids will be okay. They might actually thrive from parents letting go of gender stereotypes. That's it for this episode of Pep Talk. You can find the full interview on howdidshegetthere.com. If you enjoyed this pep talk and you feel cheered on, tell your friends and give us a great review. Pep Talk is produced in partnership with Weld Stories. I'm Caroline Hugel. See you again soon.